God wants to be a part of every woman's birth, no matter how that birth happens, and he made us able to accomplish that um, in whatever way that it's meant to be brought about. He loves each one of us so much, and he loves our baby so much, and he made us um, for this unique vocation of motherhood and for these unique children that he gives us. This is Made for Love, a Catholic podcast about real people living out the call to love. I'm your host, Sarah Perla. Today we're talking about birth and how Catholic women approach it. Our faith gives us ways of thinking about and even embracing suffering for the good of others. And this is rarely so concrete or obvious than in childbirth. We're starting with Mary Hazeltine. Hi, my name is Mary Hazeltine. I've been married for almost 16 years. My husband and I have five children right now on the outside, and we're due this summer with our sixth baby. Um, We also have one son or daughter in eternity that we lost before birth. I am currently a birth doula and a birth educator. Mary has just published a book called Made for This, A Catholic Mom's Guide to Birth. What our bodies are capable of is incredible, and they are amazing, and we don't often hear that in, in our culture. First and foremost, we were made by God to create and bear life, to be to be mothers, whether that's physically or spiritually, and he knew exactly what he was doing. And we often need that reminder over and over that we really were made for this. Mary has given birth naturally five times. Each time, though, I've had to kind of re-prepare myself and get into a good headspace. So much of birth is really, really is mental. So I try to remember that the pain is leading me closer to my baby. And she was really surprised to find out that there wasn't a Catholic guide to birth. We have a lot of babies in the Catholic world, and it's interesting that we haven't had a book like this yet. She felt strongly that our faith has something to say to women's experience of childbirth. Our faith permeates all of who we are and everything we do, and especially those moments that are so important to us as women and as people like birth. We're body and soul, and what affects one part of us affects the other parts. Birth is such an important time for a woman, and that time can be really deeply influenced and made more full when we view it through the lens of our faith. Of course, Scripture mentions birth right away in Genesis 3, and, well, it doesn't sound good, y'all. God says to Eve, I will intensify your toil and childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. So not exactly a pep talk. Birth is talked about a lot in scripture, and we go through in the book in some of the first few chapters what happened after the fall and how birth was meant to be and what happened after the fall, but what it can become in the light of the redemption in Christ's work and how it can become something redeeming and beautiful. Yes, it's very hard, and there is almost always a lot of pain involved, but we are asked to unite that to Christ's work on the cross. St. John Paul II connected birth to the Paschal Mystery. Jesus's passion, death, and resurrection. St. John Paul II even talks about birth being intimately united with the Paschal mystery and how we can participate in the salvation of souls through our birth. This is why Catholics have access to a different way of thinking about the pain of childbirth. As Catholics, we view pain and suffering very differently from the rest of the world. We view it as something that can be beautiful and redeeming and worth something. Physically and psychologically, the more we fight the pain, we know the harder it becomes and the slower labor will go, the more I can sort of embrace 
the pain and welcome it and relax into it as hard as that is sometimes, the more effective it is. And that's obviously super hard to do, but I try to visualize and practice it before the birth, remembering that in this instance, pain is a good thing, that it's something to welcome and embrace. A couple of my friends were kind enough to describe their pain or its results. With the first one, you're going to hear Joy's daughter, Rose, crunching a snack that we gave her to hope that she'd be quiet. It was just like you're breaking apart for me. It just felt with both of them. Like I had so much back pain and so much pain in my hips. It just felt like they were ready to pop out. So like I didn't necessarily, pushing was not hard for either of them, but the like the contractions, I hurt in my bones, which is a weird, I don't hear a lot of other women say that, but um, I just remember my bones hurting more than, like sometimes people describe it as menstrual, menstrual cramps. I don't remember it that way at all. I just remember thinking like, are my hips going to stay together? <laughs> or my back, it just felt like it was, I don't know. It's just going to pop out. I was a two-sport college athlete, and I was a lacrosse goalie. So I've experienced a lot of pain in my life, and I thought I had a pretty high pain tolerance. And I'm actually not convinced that I don't have a high pain tolerance. I just could not. I couldn't deal with this. Part of it was that I couldn't, um, with the IV drip, I couldn't move the way I wanted to. And my contractions were pretty relentless. Like I didn't, they were very long. They were well over a minute long. First time I didn't know what I was doing. It was horrible. With Anna, I was in a lot of pain because probably because she was in the wrong position, but I didn't know that. So I didn't know that the pain I was feeling was abnormal. Once the contractions started, they never stopped. There was never a rest between pain. It was constant pain. I had to be on my hands and knees for 14 hours. Alrighty then. So what are some ways that Catholic women can approach childbirth distinctly? There's an official blessing of the church called the blessing of a mother before childbirth. And then there's a blessing of parents before childbirth. And so many people, even most priests I know, have never even heard of it. But it is there. And it's an official blessing of the church. And it's really powerful. And that grace, when it's received before birth, that accompanies them into the birth and can provide a lot of grace, whether it's a cesarean birth or a vaginal birth. And how about in the birth room itself? For several births, I brought like sacramentals into the birth room, whether it's a medal or my scapular or <laughs> pictures of particular saints I'm praying to. And other times I've, I've offered my contractions for different intentions. In each contraction, I think of a different intention that I can offer it up for, and that kind of makes the pain have a purpose in my head, so... It can kind of be a beautiful way to for the birth something outside of myself. Another aspect of Catholic life that can come out in the birth room is the real union between husband and wife. We believe that the love of a husband and a wife is designed to culminate in a new life. That love becomes a new real person to literally become one. And birth is when that love, when that little person is met face to face. So it makes sense that a husband should be a part of it. Mary is a trained doula someone who helps to coach women through childbirth, and she always seeks to help the husbands get involved. I absolutely love seeing husbands that are actively involved, both before the birth and during the birth itself. 
it can be a huge help to the mother and the baby when the father's involved, but it can also be a really important time for their marriage um, when he's supporting her in those really intimate and powerful moments. A lot of fathers nowadays, they want to be helpful and involved, but a lot of them really need some help knowing what to do and what that means. We do a full hand, long stroke massage for the pregnant lady. We do um, some imagination drills. I describe a relaxing place for Julia, and she visits it in her mind. St. John Paul II said that fathers learn their fatherhood, in a way, through their wives becoming mothers. Birth is a concrete experience of this. It's also a time when he can embrace and enter into his own fatherhood. We know fathers are important, but our culture loves to forget that. So being an important part of the birth empowers him, I think, to live out his fatherhood more fully and helps him to be more involved and confident in that role that he's been given from God. And of course, every couple has a different dynamic and communication style, and they are thrust into an intense situation. And he can speak to her in a way that nobody else in the room can. He knows her heart better than anybody else in the room, the doula or the doctor, the midwife. And there's just a beautiful intimacy there that when you see couples tap into that, can be so powerful for a marriage and really life-giving to their marriage. Talk about one way to witness to the sacrament of marriage without getting preachy. It can be a really powerful witness to the other people in the room, too, when a husband is really actively supporting his wife. When you see that bond between the two of them grow and deepen, in my opinion, like everybody in the room should be kind of respecting that relationship and no one should be coming between the husband and the wife. One of my friends had to take a much more active role than he'd ever expected. So I was thinking that you were going to come pick me up at the metro station and then we just go. Yeah, it was frustrating. Were you already afraid of it was going to happen in the car? Oh yeah. Once we got on 295 and it's just slow and I could tell that it's supposed to be in the hospital. A couple speed bumps and Michael's just taking on. And I'm like, head, the head is coming. So Michael caught baby Elizabeth in the front seat of the car in the driveway of the hospital. Well done. Now back to Mary. I asked her about how some women deal with trauma when birth doesn't go the way that they hoped it would. Recognizing that those feelings are valid and okay and processing that, finding a safe place to share that is really helpful, whether it's a friend or sometimes there's postpartum groups out there that can be really helpful as long as it's in a safe and non-judgmental place where she can kind of just say, you know, I'm grateful to be a mother, but this birth experience was not what I wanted. And in fact, it was even traumatizing or really stressful. And I, I don't like how it happened, but I'm grateful that my baby's here. Around people that, that will understand and empathize can be really helpful. She also suggested seeing a therapist if it is really affecting you. Sometimes a traumatic birth can lead to PTSD. It can also play into postpartum depression, which I'll have to do a separate podcast about because there's a lot there. Postpartum depression is definitely a very real thing, and it seems in some ways to be increasing in our culture. There's a lot of different factors. Some of it's physical, hormonal, but some of it is, you know, related to the birth experience that a woman has, as well as other factors outside of herself, the help that she has, the support around her after the birth, family situations, other stressful situations around her. So there's a ton of different factors that go into postpartum depression. And Mary points out that every woman and every baby is precious and loved, regardless of how birth occurs. Each woman's experience is unique to her. 
So some women will have, you know, have a wonderful and empowering and amazing birth. And that's, of course, what we want for every woman. And some women, things didn't go to plan and they're okay with that. And that's, you know, they have peace with that very easily. And some women, you know, it was really traumatic for them. So they have a lot of work to do to get over that and to get through it. And when it comes to birth, there's really no right or wrong how a woman deals with it afterwards. So, yeah, every woman is so unique and her birth is so unique. We have to be able to kind of recognize and respect that. So a lot of what we're talking about here is natural childbirth, but that is not the only way. She has a chapter devoted to C-section births and encourages women who are approaching a planned C-section to spiritually prepare. For women who are going to have a planned cesarean, they can prepare spiritually in a lot of the same ways that any other woman would prepare for any type of birth. A lot of women I know will choose to have a list of intentions to offer before, during, or after the birth. Um, oftentimes, after the birth with a cesarean, it's, there's a lot more recovery time after cesarean, so sometimes their intentions come more after. My friend Mary Smith has done that. Uh, my name is Mary Smith. It's not an alias. I have two children. Uh, both of my children were born by a C-section. Since I was showing zero signs of labor, I had to get like the full slate of induction things, which I went in the night before I went in at, you know, at like 7 p.m. for Cervidil. How TMI can we be for this? Like, I mean, do you want, do you want me to explain what that does? Okay. All right. So I went in for the overnight application of Cervidil, which softens the cervix and sort of readies, readies you to have the Pitocin drip the next morning since I was showing zero signs of effacement and dilation. So the next morning I get the Pitocin drip. And, you know, at the beginning, you have to be hooked up to the monitor because you're being induced. I have an IV drip, but I could move around a little bit. So it was not bad, and they start clicking up the Pitocin. At a certain point, Mary couldn't stand the pain any longer and asked for an epidural. The epidural allowed her to get some sleep, and she did progress for a while. But after that, labor stalled, and her doctor told her to start thinking about a C-section. He really did not pressure her at all. He just explained that her body was going through a lot of work, even though she couldn't feel it, and that if she ended up having to have a C-section anyway, the recovery would be worse the longer they waited. I had a five-minute conference with my husband. We decided to go for the C-section. And this is something like 10 hours after the Pitocin drip was started in the morning. This wasn't like two hours. So had the C-section, everything went really smoothly, and it turns out my daughter's head is in the 99th percentile and was never going to descend, at least at the angle she was, you know. So here's the thing, did I second guess myself a little bit? Of course, because who doesn't? But at what point, at what decision you change to change that outcome? Like if I hadn't gotten the epidural, maybe I'd been still moving, but I don't know how long I could have how much longer I could have borne that pain. Do I wait the two days to go to full 42 weeks? I wouldn't have had the OB that I loved. And maybe I would have had someone that was super pushy about the C-section. So, you know, I just, I can't answer that. What would have happened? But my daughter was beautiful at the time. She's still beautiful and she was healthy. Mary Hazeltine also has recommendations for resting after birth. But I'm going to have to hold that audio for another time too. There's just too much stuff. 
birth really matters and the choices we make in birth do matter. And that doesn't mean we're all supposed to be making the same ones, but that these choices have consequences and we need to be remembering how much birth matters to us as women and that's how God designed it. And remember that no matter what kind of birth you're called to have, that God really wants to meet you there and that it can be one of the most amazing and empowering experiences of a woman's life. I wanted to give you all a good birth story on this episode without subjecting my friends to my questions. So I found someone who already shared details of her births on a blog, Carrots for Michaelmas. That's right, y'all. Here's Haley Stewart. So I'm Haley Stewart, married to Daniel, and we have three kids and one on the way. I'm a Catholic convert converted in Penn. And I am a writer. I co-host the Fountains of Carrots podcast and the Simple Show podcast. Haley is Catholic famous, so you may already know her or feel like you do. She just published a book, and I bought it that day, called The Grace of Enough. She started blogging when she was converting to the Catholic Church. When my husband Daniel and I were considering converting... Um, We both grew up in Protestant Christian homes, and we didn't really know any Catholics, (laughs) almost at all. And so for me, checking out the Catholic blogosphere was what gave me a little window into what Catholic family life looked like and kind of helped me imagine myself as a Catholic, just getting to know some Catholics online because I didn't know any in real life. I asked Haley why she thought that women get so touchy about their birth decisions and their stories. It just feels very, very personal. And so when there's judgments made or, you know, different methods used, I think it can easily feel like an indictment of the choices that you made. And I think part of that might be that it's become so mysterious to us. It's not like we grow up on the frontier where we're helping out with aunts and sisters' births and, like, we just know how this works. Like most American women, Haley's first experience of childbirth was when she was giving birth to her first child. And I think that makes us feel more insecure about it, which often results in being a lot more judgmental about it because we don't want to be wrong. You know, we want to do it right so bad. But I think it's also just an innate sense that something really sacred and amazing is about to happen and that it matters to us how it happens and what, what the story is there. So let's get into the story now. This is the story of the birth of Haley's third child. I was so ready because she was a week late and I was just miserably pregnant and tired and so ready to meet her and... My midwife started talking about needing to schedule an induction because it was getting close to that 42-week mark that they usually don't want you to go past. Haley knew that a deacon at her parish, who has an acupuncture practice, specializes in helping kickstart labor. So she went to him. So I was there on the acupuncture table looking at a giant picture of Our Lady of Guadalupe. There's like sacred music playing in the background. So it was a very peaceful way to start to start labor. I did a couple sessions with him and started having contractions and they started getting more intense. Since Haley felt that with the second birth, she and Daniel, her husband, waited a little too long to get to the hospital, they did head in early. 
but Haley was only at two centimeters. So the hospital people told her to go home or to walk the halls for a while. An hour later, after walking around the hospital, Haley was close to five centimeters, and they set her up in a room. And so we were thinking, okay, now everything is progressing pretty quickly. We're going to totally have this baby before midnight. This is her birthday. This is going great. Um, (laughs) But nothing ever happens exactly how you plan it. So that isn't what happened. It ended up that the labor was very long, much longer than I expected as a third-time mom. And I was just not progressing. So we were trying to walk around. Sometimes I had to be hooked up to an IV, and then that would slow things down. We'd get back up and walk around. And after hours and hours and hours, I was sure, oh, we're going to be, you know, nine centimeters so close to having this baby. And they checked me and said, okay, so you're about five and a half centimeters. So I'd only progressed like a centimeter in, I mean, at this point it was, we we maybe got there at about six o'clock, and at this point it was early in the morning. And so I was just pretty devastated. I guess this was maybe three or four in the morning and started crying just because I felt like I'm not going to be able to do this any longer. We took another little walk. I felt like things were really ramping up. My midwife is out of town, so the doctor on call, who who I really liked, came in and she checked me and said, you know, you're still only about six centimeters. You've still got a long road ahead. And I just burst into tears. But this time, Haley said no. She knew she was closer than that. She made the doctor stay for a contraction. So I kind of changed positions, and she, she agreed to stay and watch a contraction. And... When I flipped positions, something flipped in the baby's position, and I was pushing involuntarily. And I said, get your gloves on. She's coming out. Um, They were telling me, try not to push. And I said, I can't help it. Here's the baby's head. And she was born. So it just happened so fast. I jumped from six centimeters to ready to deliver in a matter of seconds, it felt like. Surprise! It's a good thing Daniel didn't leave the room. My mom was there, and she had left the room to reheat a sock filled with rice that she'd been putting on my back, like warm rice, to relieve some of the back labor pain. And so she just walked out the room, put this sock filled with uncooked rice in the microwave for two minutes, took it out, and walked back to the room. And in that two minutes and 30 seconds it took her to do that, We had gone from nothing's happening to, oh, there's now a baby in my arms. (laughs) She missed the whole thing and was so disappointed. But it just happened so, so fast. Speaking about natural birth, Haley says, When you think you can't do it anymore, that's when you're about to get to push. And when it comes to making a birth plan, I am of the opinion that whatever plan makes the pregnant woman feel safest and most comfortable is the right birth plan for her. So having a home birth, having a hospital birth, birthing at a birth center, whatever makes you most comfortable is going to set you up for the best labor because I think there's just so much connection between the mind and the emotions and stress and anxiety and what the body is doing. The Stewarts like a midwife hospital model, 
and Daniel coaches Haley with the Bradley Method. I'm always exhausted at the end of labor, but Daniel is also completely exhausted. Like he wants to, the baby's here, great, can we take a nap now? I am so worn out because he's been beside me every step of the way. So for me, I am definitely a words of affirmation person as far as love languages, which is not his love language, but he's learned to do for me. So during birth, you know, just hearing encouraging words of, hey, doing great, we're getting closer to meeting our baby. Remember to, to relax your body, relax your shoulders, relax your hands. And just like being right next to me with a hand on my shoulder is very comforting to me and calming to me during labor. Daniel also times the contractions, letting Haley retreat into her head, knowing that he'll warn her when one is coming. It was my first. I actually, this is weird, but just weird how your body works. I would actually black out during some of the contractions because they just lasted so long. I think that my body was saying, okay, you've reached your pain threshold. <laughs> now we're going to put you to sleep for a minute. And then Daniel would kind of rub my back when he knew another one was coming so that I wouldn't be startled out of sleep, basically. So that was kind of bizarre but interesting that my body was kind of taking care of me in that way. So Haley's body was giving her mind a break, perhaps because when she was able to formulate a thought. I always try to make a mental note that will stick for myself. And I tell myself, okay, Haley, don't ever let this happen again. Don't do this again. This is terrible. Figure out another way because this is just awful. Don't forget, once you have a beautiful baby in your arms and you feel so euphoric, how horribly painful this was. But then, of course, it never sticks. And as soon as that baby is born, you're like, oh, I want a million. This was great. What a great experience. So it's just it's funny. I think that um, it's, a, it's a grace of forgetfulness of the pain. Birth is a time of prayer for Haley. Yeah, I think that if you are the praying sort, Labor is definitely going to bring you <laughs> to some prayerful moments just because you feel so, um, in some ways, helpless and out of control of the situation and trying to deal with, with the pain and you still want your baby to be safe and just definitely lift the heart to God asking for his help. You don't have a lot of words, perhaps, which is why it's a kind of awesome that for many women, prayers like the Our Father or the Hail Mary are co-natural. Like, they don't require mental energy to come out. They're just there. You're not in a, in a mindset to be able to, like, craft beautiful extemporaneous prayers. So having the rosary, having a litany of the saints to call upon is just a very beautiful comfort. My plan this time is to write out a litany of all the saints that are really special to our family that I can pray through during contractions. That's something I, I really liked doing my last labor. And Haley emphasizes the same thing Mary Hazeltine does about pain. The same way that we naturally want to fight any kind of suffering in our lives, but that isn't you know, ever very helpful to have that fighting response to suffering. It's just much more helpful to lean in and embrace suffering in the Christian life in general, I think it's the same thing for our bodies. 
In childbirth, the mother embraces the pain that brings her child into the world. And really the goal is just that as those muscles start contracting and you start feeling pain, that instead of tensing up and fighting the pain, you allow your body to use that pain. And so kind of just leaning into it, embracing it, thinking about how that pain is pushing your baby down closer to meeting you, um, and having someone help remind you when you aren't in your right mind, okay, your shoulders are tense, can you just relax your shoulders? And as you relax all of your body, they really become less painful. At the time of our interview, Haley was eight months pregnant with her fourth child, who was in breached transverse position. I can only do so much to control the situation. I can try to do things to flip the baby where we have an external version scheduled for next week where a doctor will try to flip the baby, but not in control of that. And we just kind of have to see what's going to happen and trust God and be willing to go wherever this adventure takes us. One of the spiritual blessings of parenthood is understanding that we have to have the humility to realize that we're not in control, but God always is. Baby Hildegard came in August, and her birth story is quite dramatic. You can read it and see her sweet face at Haley's blog, Carrots for Michaelmas. I'll put a link on the show notes. To close out this episode, I'm going to share a few more short snippets on birth from my friends. Enjoy. It makes it easier to bear the waiting, probably, but it also makes it easier to put off practical preparations, <laughs> which is sort of a false, a good point. Is a false comfort because it's not like I could right. still go into labor. Just because it's on the calendar doesn't right. mean that it's sort of the drop dead right. date and that I will definitely have a baby by this time next Thursday. So Lazarus, I was six days late and I started contractions. And I was technically in labor for 42 and a half hours, um, but I wasn't dilating. And I think the only reason they let me go so long was because I had a midwife. He could recognize the stages of labor. He knew that I was actually in labor before I knew I was in labor because of the way I was acting. And it was pretty textbook. And he actually did pay attention in the classes. <laughs> One of the first signs is denial. <laughs> With Julia? I got to the point where whenever I would feel a contraction, I would actually say, welcome. Like, I would welcome it, which sounds really new agey and tofu, but it was, like, helpful to acknowledge that what I'm feeling is good and it's supposed to happen. I knew that that amount of pain was working pain. It wasn't like something's wrong pain. God gave us natural experiences to learn more about him. I think the farther we get from creation, then the less we can learn from the experience, maybe. I don't know. But I've learned a lot about childbirth that I've shared with other people, how it relates. And people have been like, well, I never gave, I never had natural childbirth, but I really understand what you're saying about like pain being good and like how pain in our lives brings about something good. Like when we go through trials and then we come out on the other side, it brings about something good, and that's like childbirth. It hurts. It definitely hurts. But then if you know when you're going through pain that there's good on the other side, then it makes the pain different, and you're able to say, welcome. 
If you like what you've heard today, please support this project by sharing it with your friends, subscribing to Made for Love on iTunes, writing a review, or commenting on the show notes at marriageuniqueforareason.org. And be sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter and all those things. This is essentially a one-woman production, so yours truly did everything, with the notable exception of the music, which was composed and produced by Michael Taylor. Hello, this is Michael. Thanks for listening. Thanks, everyone.